0: Halo, tau For you, it's
1: not okay.
0: difficult to invent stories. We can invent stories, but it must be based on truth. You know, we can, you know, that's the role of cinema. We can reinvent everything, but it must be near the truth. It must approximate realities. It must approximate the truth. You know, you cannot uh, work based on lies because you're adding up to the cultural debacle. That's why, for you, this distinction between
1: documentary and fiction mm. is not that important. No,
0: no. The genres and the kinds of uh, cinemas, no. It's still a very um, young know, medium. We you can still push it. We can mix all these genres, all this, you know forms in cinema, we can mix them. And we're still reinventing cinema anyway. It's still very young, it's just more than 100 years, so there's a lot to do. The horizon for cinema is very vast. <laughs> I would like to understand how
1: you conceive your films in terms of breathing, mm. Mm. in terms of heart beating, yeah. because you're well known
0: and certainly a little bit fed up with this. People tend to look at the works via generation. It's uh, For a lot of people, without really understanding aesthetics, they think in terms of duration, especially in the case of cinema where there's an imposed, you know, length, really imposed by the market, Hollywood, all these markets. So it's also based on the demands of, you know, some kind of a, a commercial thing. It's more profit motive. So if you go beyond the perimeters or, you know of this then you become a pariah. Your work is not part of the convention. It's not part of the duration. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why they do that. That they impose that. Oh, it's it's three hours. It's four hours. It's five hours. So you know, it's not our cinema. And whose cinema is it anyway? So it's a matter of ignorance. You know, they don't really look at cinema as that. You know, a great medium of the arts. It's just, you know, entertainment is just another escape is fair for them. So we, we'll have to change it. The struggle can be very hard, but, you know, we'll have to emancipate cinema from that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. I want to be part of that, but, uh, part of pushing the medium into something else and be part of the greater, you know, cultural, you know, thing.
1: In your film, Death in the Land of Encantos. Mm. Bec- just be- uh, before, a question about Encantos. This is a word in your language? Or it's is it's Spanish speaking word? from Spanish, yes. but
0: uh, we embrace it. Because a lot of words have been integrated to our uh, language. Uh, Encantos is from Spanish. Mm. Enchantment or enchanted. You know. And we ha- our work with us is, we lost it already, the, w- the real word, the Malay word. So it's part of it.
1: For instance, in this film, the first shots on these landscapes, mm-hmm. with rain and wind, this mm-hmm. devastation, you begin to film with your camera. Yeah. Could you explain mm-hmm. how you decide to begin the shot, to end it, in the shooting time mm-hmm. and then in the editing
0: time? How yeah. do you feel the, the right length? It, it would depend because uh, in the case of... Death in the Cantos, I lived in that place before. I made three films there, in that area of the southern part of the island of Bluzon. And there was this great, great uh, storm that came and more than 3,000 died. And five days after the devastation, I went there and I realized that the place where I shot parts of evolution of a Filipino family, Jeremias, the whole barrio where I used to stay there, 300 families uh, were swept by the landslides, you know. So it was very devastating. So it just became that. I don't know what to do when I I got there. So I just got my camera and then I started shooting just to, you know, to record something because there's a lot. It's really dark. You can see people, you know, death. It's death all over the place. And then I decided to just record. Maybe I said I want to give the footage to CNN or BBC or some news bureaus there, Reuters or, you know, Agency France Presse or the local papers. So I started shooting and shooting for a week because I didn't know what to do. So that's the, it's an impulse to be part of it because I lost the whole barrio. I lived there for a year and the 300 families that I've known there, they're all gone. So I started shooting and shooting along with a friend, just as the two of us. And then...
1: Sorry, shooting and shooting. Yeah, what, just, just what does just that mean for you? I mean, it was in your what? mind,
0: with you in your body, because it's it's you're shooting long shots. Yeah, it's part of the responsibility of cinema, just to chronicle things, just to record things. It's part of it, document it. You know, don't lose it. These moments, it will be, you know, part of our lives. You know, we, we, we must remember these things. We must take stock of what's happening in the world. So that just, it's very intuitive for me to do it. I just went there, and then after a week, I went back to my studio in Manila with the footage, and I was watching all these devastations and torment. So I said, maybe I'll make a story around it. (laughs) So I asked uh, the three actors in the film, they are theater people, and they're very close to me anyway. I said, can you? Can we go back to Bicol, uh, Bicol is the name of the place. Can we go back to Biko? and I'll just work around these three characters, just be with me while we are there. So they went with me and then uh, we started, I started creating the characters and it became that, you know.
1: In this film, for instance, for all, in other ones as well, mm. uh, we have the feeling as spectator that you're looking for something. You're researching. You yeah. try to approach, yeah. Yeah. and sometimes a shot is beginning, and you don't know if you will find something.
0: That's true. That's very specific with that film. I'm looking for some something that's alive, because yeah. it's all death. It's all death. It's death everywhere. Decay everywhere. You know, devastation everywhere. So you're looking for some hope. You know, you're looking for something that that will affirm you that it's it's, it's still okay. That's what I'm doing. is just walking and walking, and I, I've seen a lot with with that. It, I didn't include them in the film because they're so horrifying. Women who are like walking naked, you know. So I didn't include the really horrifying horrifying shots, rotting, uh, decaying bodies of people. I didn't include them because they're so, you know. I felt that it's an ethical issue. Yeah,
1: that's a, very interesting to me. Uh, mm. Could you be more specific? Mm. In, in in your decision to not show these pictures, yeah, yeah, you, you I, think of me spectator? Not really,
0: also the subject, because yeah. I, I started as a journalist, so I, I know also that issue of uh, ethics, of not exploiting images, exploiting people, of not exploiting conditions, uh, you will still have that courtesy not to overdo it into something that's uh, really you know exploitative, so I maintain that code the code of uh, the journalistic code of not, you know, of respecting these subjects also, do not go beyond the bounds of, of uh, ethics. Yeah.
1: Tell me, when I watch your films, I I, I watch the, the shots, huh? These shots, you you found mm-hmm. the length of these shots in the editing room or at the at the really beginning in the shooting time?
0: It will all depend also because uh, the editing and. The shooting, they're entirely two different worlds, two different zones. So when I'm shooting, I'm very, very intuitive about it. I just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. It will all depend on, you know, what's being, you know, embraced by the so-called lens and my intuition also and my feel. In the cutting room, you become very clinical because you're finding the beat. You're finding the rhythm now. You're juggling the images into something that will make all this images into one whole, one whole harmonious uh, work. So it's a very, very different and rigid condition now. While even you're shooting, it's more organic and free flowing. And it's just sometimes very abstract. You're just feeling things. But in editing, now you're constructing it. You know, constructing it to some, you know, there are bits, there are measures that you're looking. So it's a different zone.
1: In this, this film, uh, this in, in the Land of Encantos, you filming Mm. With I guess the same intuition, mm. the same desire to understand what is going on, landscapes yeah. mm-hmm. and the body of a naked woman
0: all this all the, all things that you see it's it's more you affirming something in your in your emotion, very abstract because when I went there, the emotions are really, really intense, people are you know screaming, shouting, looking for their loved ones, and you too. Every time during the shoot, I'm breaking down. I was breaking down because you see all this devastation. So it became that just very intuitive and just following things, you know. Being there and chronicling things, doing some, you know, maybe some homage to these people, uh, not to be forgotten. Yeah. It can be that also.
1: But I, I was wondering because you have this ability to research in landscapes, some, mm-hmm. something to, yeah. to, to watch, to and to, mm. to share with me as spectator mm. and you have the same attitude to pay the same attention to this to this woman at the beginning yeah, sleeping yeah, she's uh, sleeping is she yeah. sleeping
0: is that the first shot yes i don't know if it's just sleeping or <laughs> she's dying i don't know i was there but you <laughs> said sir. yeah of course yeah the landscape creates for me the the very aesthetic template always of the film no. not just the look Once I see the landscape or the location for the film, I see a whole universe, so I create a so-called alternative universe there for my cinema. If I create a character, then I'll create this place as his habitat, it becomes that, you know. He will interact with the wind, he will interact with the dog, he will interact with the soil, he will interact with the kind of, you know, diegetic presence there, so it becomes that universe, it becomes that aesthetic template, yeah. That's why it's important for me to see all these locations because it creates that this alternate universe that you eventually become this film.
1: In your films you have some actors, mm-hmm, actresses, professionals? Yeah, it's a, uh, mix, it's a mix, it's
0: a mix. From cinema, from theater and sometimes you get local people.
1: And how it's working to to bring together,
0: together. <laughs> you just wish that come together, but most of the time, of course, we rehearse because I write the script every day and I give it to them. I'm very strict also with the dialogue. Very strict with the dialogue. They, they uh, can't Im- improvise. They can improvise, but you know, they, you must tell them that they must, mustn't go beyond the parameters so that you know things will not go astray, because you're also very, very aware. You're following a certain trajectory in the story, in the narrative. And also you're following a certain trajectory for his character, for your character, so I'm very careful with that. So I tell them, okay, you can improvise on this line, you can rework it in any way, in any grammatical way you want, but don't lose the essence of the film, of the the line. Don't lose the word conscience, don't lose the word pity. Please don't lose it, because that word is important there, so you tell them that. Because a lot of actors, if you allow them to improvise, they'll just do it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's a show for them. So you tell them, you know, you don't don't move beyond this essence.
1: It's not your show, it's <laughs> my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, th- yeah, uh, it's important that you don't move out of the character. You tell them that, yeah.
1: And you're writing the scripts and the dialogues day yeah. by day?
0: Yes, I always wake up at 2 a.m. and then I write. It's my process, I'm writing every night, yeah.
1: You You don't write in advance for the whole film?
0: Well, sometimes I write them, but we use these things for pre-production only for casting for getting little money asking money from friends but during the shoot things would change i will revise the whole thing this universe is open now it's a different world now so like in the case of norte a friend of mine wrote the script but during the shoot i revised the whole thing 95% so i wrote it every day
1: maybe because we are not from youcant philippines <laughs> uh, we 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 watch the films and we i see uh, stories with historical background mm. but stories which are quite complex mm-hmm. and with with fragments we don't get all the elements to really understand them mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, you you speak about esoteric
0: yeah sometimes it's uh, in the case of lala for a sort mystery of course uh, western critics or academics or you know writers film writers wouldn't easily get it because i borrowed a lot of historical characters and you don't know them in that film i borrowed three historical characters from the two novels of a national hero so people are like confused who so are these guys you know and there's also the mythical character which is very much a part of the cultural landscape during that epoch it becomes esoteric because these things are new to them you know sometimes i apologize for that because you know it's, it's very specifically Filipino or Southeast Asian, some of the characters, yeah. It becomes esoteric because of that, you know. Very strange for some people. Who is this? Who are these people? And you don't know the background.
1: You feel responsible to invent, to reinvent cinema mm-hmm. in, in your way, in your eyes. Oh, yeah. is, is that meaning as well that you're reinventing somehow myself as a spectator?
0: Hopefully I can change you. I can change your perspective or I can affect your, you know, vision of life. Because at the end of the day, doing greater cinema, which is beyond the convention or emancipating it from the convention, is all about that. Still, a struggle against time, a struggle to understand time, a struggle to understand life. This so-called, cool, you know, humanity, the paradox of our existence. It's all about that, anyway. Trying to understand this very, very paradoxical existence of ours. So.
1: And you basically trust me, trust us as spectators. Oh
0: yeah, I respect you guys, the the so-called audience, the so-called spectator. Because uh, as much as I'm trying to be very honest and truthful and struggling with my work, I want you to struggle also to be very physical and very mental about these things also, if you can. But if you don't want to engage with the work, then I'm okay. There will be time, you know. There will be time. Cinema is just there anyway, so.
1: You speak in terms of struggle. Is uh, making films a struggle? Yes, very much. You know, <laughs> I just. Want mean, it means it's a violence. <laughs>
0: no, it, for me, struggle it, it encompasses everything. Our daily lives is a struggle. You wake up, you're lonely. It's hard to get up, to bring back your bearings, to be able to understand life again. That's a struggle. Trying to be spiritual by feeding your children. That's a struggle. Giving them education. For me, that's a struggle. So it encompasses the whole gamut of being alive, yeah.
1: Cinema, therefore, for you is is a
0: way to be alive? Of course, of course, trying to understand life, you know. That's the power of cinema. If you just embrace this whole vision of, you know, creating alternate universe, alternative universes, there's the power of cinema, because we can see life through this lens, through this universe, through these images, you know, this world of black and white, you know. So you see it, you know.
1: You're living in new culture and you're in Filipinos mm-hmm. and also you have these roots in, in New York, in America. Because
0: my children live there. Yeah.
1: How, how do you feel yourself to be in between two cultures, two very different cultures? Well,
0: I, I consider myself as part of this world, small world, so for me I can always live anywhere. I can live here if I want, in Brazil, if I decide to do it. So it's still the same, we, you know, I don't see the world in terms of borders and nationalities and countries, I see it as one whole, you know, one whole universe. I'm not seeing you as a Swiss, a Swiss guy, or I'm a Filipino. We're just human beings. <laughs> I don't see borders in life. Yeah.
1: When you're making a film, mm-hmm. do you need, as first step, uh, the feeling of a desire?
0: Yes, yes. It can start with an idea, an inspiration, or you know some compassion with a certain subject, it will start in any way, you know. A classic case of that is the century of birthing. A friend of mine uh, is very concerned with his health, and he he called me up, love, can you accompany me to jog tomorrow morning? I said yes, you know. So I was waiting there at five o'clock in the morning, and then there are two guys who are drunk. Apparently they've been drinking the whole night. And they were talking about a storm that's coming. Then I asked him, where's the storm? Oh, it's in the middle part of uh, the island of Bluzon. What's the province? Oh, it's in the province of Nueva Ecija. What's the town? The town is called Cuyapo. The, the eye of the storm will go there. He said, when? Well, it's today. I said, eh, fuck, it's today. So the idea came into my head, a very King Lear-like uh, kind of uh, image where the artist is dancing in the middle of the storm and he makes this... Uh, insane and mentally deranged woman who is pregnant. I said, that's a great image. So I called up the two theater actors. And I said, they said, why? Uh, please pack your bags. We go to this province and shoot today. They said, what? I said, don't think, let's just go. So I grabbed my camera and we went there. We put the camera, I said, uh, design yourself as this deranged woman and you put something like you're giving birth in the middle of the storm and then you, the artist, will be just, you know, straying all over the place, and you met, and we start from there. So the film became backwards. So the ending of the film was the first shot of the film. And we started uh, trying to piece together backwards. So it is just that inspiration. They come and you don't know when.
1: And then you find the tools you need to follow this inspiration. Yeah,
0: just follow them. Just follow them, piece by piece, follow the threads, be open, be organic. Uh, what's the provenance of this artist what what is his problem why, why why did he end up in this middle of the storm and this uh this pregnant deranged woman where did he come from what what is her story so you piece it together you contextualize their character you find their histories you, know. you find all the nuances that you know contextualize their whole being that's how you do it
1: you filming usually in uh in real locations, yes, I you, you don't like to, to do filming to do in sets. studios no, and so no.
0: No. that's why I told you i I need to see places so that I can create the aesthetic template for the film to see some sort of habitat. This attributes is important in my perspective. You know? Some people can work in studios. I cannot do that on the set, are you shooting many takes for one? It depends if the the take is good, if the first take is good, then we'll go to the next take you know. And you know if it's good or not? Oh yeah, you can sense it. You know. Sense it? You can sense it, you can feel it. And sometimes the actors will say, oh, I didn't do do it good, so can you can we do another take? I, I'm open with that. <laughs> but I tell them, oh, the first take is already good. You still want to repeat it, and if they ask, okay, let's do a take two.
1: And do you usually need a DUP on, on the set? Most of the
0: time it's me, who's yeah. doing the camera, but the, uh, the demand is so high that I really want to work on the design and some other parts of the shoot I asked my friend Larimanda to help me. Like in Lullaby I asked him to help me, Norte I asked him to help me because there's there's this great demand to check other things in the production.
1: And of course you know that nature, Mm -hmm. landscapes, are part of the dramaturgy. Mm. Mm. You are incredible filming, you're filming landscapes as, as a... Swiss watch, you know, Swiss clock. <laughs> okay. Very
0: precise. The, the Malay culture, my, my culture, uh, ma, the Malay people is uh, Filipinos, Malaysians, Indonesians, and south of Thailand. This is the Malay culture. And you know, the natives of Singapore are Malay people. In the Malay culture, we're so dependent on nature. Especially the archipelago of the Philippines, it's all nature. We have 20 to 28 typhoons every year and it's very harsh. There's, there's strong typhoons, strong storms. So our cycle is that, a cycle of you know, devastation and reconstruction, birth, um, death and rebirth, you know, devastation and regeneration. And we're so used to that. Nature is controlling our lives. You know. we, cannot, you know, we cannot help it. We're so dependent with nature. We're 7,400 islands and you have these storms every year, harsh winds and harsh oceans a very dysfunctional system you know a corrupt government so all these forces nature is a metaphor always for that this big force that's uh, controlling us it's a metaphor it's a symbol maybe it's a representation of something that's bigger than us so it's very malay I've yes, just uh, maybe
1: one of the last questions and thank mm. you very much for this mm. yeah, uh, conversation. Your films, your desire to share these stories with us, uh, yeah, spectators, yeah. and the industry, how do you manage that in terms of <laughs> money, of of uh, production? Yeah. yeah,
0: well, because of the respect that this works has gotten, especially in Europe, so some people are giving me little money now, they're offering something. They, they realize now that, yeah, there's something in this... Madman's work. <laughs> so, yeah, they're acknowledging it now.
1: And this is part of the struggle?
0: It's part of the struggle, us. yeah, yeah. But I'm not dependent on it. If there's no money, I can still shoot. I still have my camera. I still have my friends who can help me. We can just gather together and then go. There's just four of us, seven of us, and then we go. Sometimes I'm alone. So. In the case of Storm Children, I just went there alone and shot the film. So. We're not dependent on these forces, the so-called industry, but if they help, then it's okay. Yeah, it's a big, big help.
1: Yeah. As a film artist, mm. uh, to be a film artist, means for you also to make this experience of loneliness?
0: Oh yes, yes, every time you make cinema, there's death within you, and at the same time, it's very emancipating, it's very liberating as a human being, because you know that if you struggled so much to make cinema, and it becomes very spiritual, it's very transcendent. You know that it will help some people also, just like you. Yeah, that becomes very, very spiritual. The very, very oriental way of, t- uh, of uh, looking at things where everything has that. It's faith. So I still have faith in cinema, that's why I keep making cinema. It's not religion, it's faith. Faith that is very, very spiritual. It's beyond our existence, you know. The feel that, you know. We can be affirmative in any way that we want.
1: You know. What are the roots of your faith? Well,
0: the struggle of my people. I grew up in in the very, very you know, harsh places in the Philippines. Like it's we grew up in Mindanao. Uh, my father, he was a socialist, and it is, and my, they're both public school teachers. When they graduated in college, they decided to be part of that they, uh they call it the pioneering days in the south of the Philippines where the, the government opened the places. So we live with the tribes, with the indigenous tribes, and we stayed there until high school. There, there are no electricities. My parents are just educating these people, the indigenous tribes, so I've seen that. The issue of altruism, the issue of giving, the issue of sacrifice, I, I've seen that with my parents. They sacrifice a lot to help these people, to educate these people, and it's important. I see cinema has having that role also now
1: yeah. maybe th- mm. to, to share with the listeners of this conversation yeah. a possible picture of you oh, yeah. it's it's mm. two or th- two or three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. you're waking up mm. uh, who are you at this moment you came out of dreams of nightmares maybe, yeah, you're yeah. smiling yeah. you're
0: crying how it, do you feel it depends you're, you're slumbering maybe but it is that all these ideas they're coming at every time I wake up. But why so early? It became my process, I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, maybe it came from my parents also, because we wake up early, we go to the farms, we tend to arise fields and cornfields, and then by the time the sun comes, they prepare for the schools. You know? So this is that plaque maybe. I got it from there maybe, and you know? it became that. Yeah.
1: And maybe using at this moment mm-hmm. a kind of silence?
0: Silence is always pregnant, it's important. <laughs> There's something there, yeah. It gives you this, oh, you know, very, very fertile things. Silence is important, really, yeah. We need silence in the world right now, you know. It's very dangerous now. All uh, these cultures of impunity, Russia, Syria, Libya. Right now, a lot of people are drowning between Italy and Libya. my God. Just think about this. Wow. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of children in the refugee camps in, in Beirut in, in the Moscow, so, in all those places. It's a terrible world now, but we need to push. you know. And cinema can be part of that. I still believe in cinema. I still have faith in cinema that we can be part of this, you know, engagement to better the world.
1: Yeah. Sa
0: harap Sa May hawak
1: na punya